Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another episode of So I'm Horror Fan. It is I, Simon. Uh, how is everyone? I hope you're all well. Um, the day is finally upon us. It is officially, as of this episode airing today, Evil Dead Rise Day. So, happy Evil Dead Rise Day to everyone that celebrates. <laughs> so, yeah, this movie's been a long time coming, man. Um, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, you will know that this was uh, my most anticipated horror movie of 2023. As a huge Evil Dead fan, uh, I am always, always excited for uh, new instalments in this franchise. Um, for those of you that listened to our spoiler-free review or follow my me or our social media, you guys will know that I saw this movie... Uh, if you're listening to this the day the film is released, nine days ago um, at the UK premiere in London um, with Lee Cronin in attendance, um, I do <laughs> bizarrely have a signed cheese grater at home now from Lee Cronin. Um, so yeah, I saw this movie on the 12th of April, recorded and put out our spoiler-free review on the 13th. Um, so that's been out for a little while. Thank you to everyone that checked it out and uh, thank you to everyone that, you know, has been uh, really cool. Um, you know, I've not had anyone ask me for spoilers or anything like that. And the, 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 um, the spoiler-free review was very spoiler-free. Like, I didn't even mention anything in the trailers or anything like that. So it was completely safe for anyone to um, just get kind of a vibe of the evening that I had um, at that screening and kind of get an overall vibe of what the film was like. So thank you to everyone that checked that out. Um, I know a lot of people have been hyped for this movie and have been anticipating this movie. Um and they have been showing this movie a lot pre-release. Um, there were screenings at South by Southwest. There were, have been screenings in London, Sheffield. There was early press screenings. Um, there was a screening in New Zealand. They did Beyond Fest. They did another screening in Los Angeles all in the last week or so running up to the releases. So it has been shown pre-release pretty heavily. Um and for good reason. Um, I think they knew that they had a hit on their hands and they wanted to kind of get the word of mouth and the kind of hype train. Um, none of the people that went to the screening that I was at or any of the screenings that I'm aware of have been NDA'd. So there have been a lot of spoiler-free reviews, reaction videos, um, conversations on social media. Thankfully, uh, I think everyone that has seen it pre-release has been very respectful. Uh, even though I have seen it, I hadn't seen any spoilers or anybody like ruining large chunks of the film or anything like that. So it's kind of cool to see that they tested it early and a lot of people respected um, those early screenings and respected the people that have been waiting a long time to see this movie. Um, just so you guys know, um, obviously we are releasing this on the Friday that it comes out. It will be in the evening. I will drop this. So anybody that's seeing it during the day or catching evening screenings, like it will go out sort of 
uh, I think I'm going to put it out around about 6 o'clock uh, UK time on Friday. So if you're listening to this, you probably have already seen the film. Or if you haven't, you obviously don't care. But just as a heads up, from this point forward, this will be a full spoiler review. If you want to see it, read a rev- uh, hear a review that's non-spoiler, our non-spoiler review is also available. Um, but yeah, from here on out, I am going to be full spoilers. Everything is on the table. Um, I will be talking about everything in the movie, uh, some of the hidden Easter eggs um, and tidbits that haven't been made public knowledge yet, but Lee Cronin mentioned in his uh, director Q&A afterwards. Um, so yeah, everything is fair game from this point onwards. So I would say if you're listening past this point, Either you've seen the movie or you don't care. So this is your warning. Um, So Evil Dead Rise. um, 2023. uh, Directed and written by Lee Cronin. Formerly of uh, the Irish horror film A Hole in the Ground. Um, This is the fifth in the Evil Dead franchise. Um, It stars Lily Sullivan as Beth. Uh, Alyssa Sutherland as Ellie, Nell Fisher as Cassie, Morgan Davis as shit, I forgot his name. Uh, I can't Danny and uh, Gabriel Eccles as Bridget. They are your five main characters in this movie. Um, yeah, so I'm just gonna get into this. Um, I'm gonna try and go as linear as possible. Um, I've waited, um, so I recorded my spoiler-free review a week ago. Um, I wanted to give it some time to really settle in before I um, did my spoiler review because I really wanted some time to kind of like settle with the film and think about the things that I liked and to see if there was anything I didn't like. Um, Firstly, the prevailing thing for me is that I saw this movie a week ago and I'm still thinking about it and I'm still thinking about how good it is. And like every time there's a new clip or a new trailer released, I keep thinking about like how good those scenes were in the movie and like what a good time I had. For context, um, I saw this movie with a completely packed audience full of Evil Dead fans. Um, so I saw this in the best environment possible. And let me tell you folks, Everybody in that fucking screening lost their goddamn minds when this movie played. So I would suggest if you haven't already got your tickets for opening night, you want to see this movie in the most packed, rowdy, up for it audience you can. Um, I haven't, I think I said this in my spoiler free review, I haven't been in an audience that has reacted to a film the way that they reacted to this film since I saw Avengers Endgame and it was really cool man um normally I'm one of those people like I like to see a movie for the first time I like to be in a quiet showing I like to take the film in but you know there were people laughing in this screening there were people going oh fuck shit oh ow like a lot of like ooh uh, excuse me which I think really added to the impact of like this movie because you're going to hear a lot about, and you know, by now, if you're listening to this, you've probably already seen the film, but you will have heard in the run up to this film, like how gory it is, how brutal it is. Like Lee Cronin did a thing 
um, before the film started, he did a little intro and he was asking people what they were like with horror and a few people said that they weren't very good with horror and he was like, oh, you know, you guys are fucked. And I, to a degree, the marketing has been very aggressive on very specific scenes from the trailer, very specific scenes in the film and a lot of the reviews and a lot of people that I've talked to you know, talk about how hard this movie goes. And yeah, I think there are certain scenes in this movie where the movie goes hard. I think there are certain scenes that they could have gone harder on. Um, I don't think this movie ever matches the relentless brutality of the 2013 movie. But I think that's because this movie is uh, a much more balanced film. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the 2013 Evil Dead. It's one of my favourite horror movies of all time. And it is my second favourite Evil Dead movie um, of all time. Um, but that movie is relentlessly bleak. It has no humour in it. It starts and then it goes and it just gets darker and more brutal and more grisly. Um, whereas I think Evil Dead Rise is a more balanced film. Um, there's a lot of really good character work in Evil Dead Rise. Um, there's also a lot of humour and levity. Um, some of the humour in this movie is is a chef's kiss. Um, and I think that is part of the reason why I think this movie is a better Evil Dead film. Because it captures the tone of both sort of those uh, split in the franchise. It's got the relentless brutality to a degree but it's also got that humor that people love from the evil dead movies and the thing is the humor in this movie isn't overly done and it's done in moments where the audience needs to catch its breath and it needs to kind of come down from what it's just seen and then prepare itself for what's coming so i think the use of humor in this movie is great there's one scene particularly um the scene where fucking ellie eats the dude's eye uh, and pulls it out of the eye socket and then spits it into the other dude's mouth. I have never heard people laugh so hard and for so long in a film that wasn't a comedy before. Like, my God, that scene absolutely killed. Um, and for good reason, because it's fucking genius. And it's super reminiscent of the scene in Evil Dead 2. Um, and that's what I mean. Like, there's moments where this movie goes for the humour... Um, but it's not ever like it never devolves into slapstick or like parody um, but it never becomes like knowingly self-aware and winking it's just that like oh shit man we're in a fucked up situation and uh, I don't really know how else to react to this other than to say something funny like the bit where they've got fucking Bridget in the bin bag tied to the fucking bed and Danny's like yeah I tied her up <laughs> Like, it's really funny, like, how he just, yeah, how he kind of says it. He's like, you know, just in case. Um, so, uh, I want to start with the opening of this movie. Uh, the opening of this movie is fucking brilliant. It's an absolute all-timer, especially if you haven't seen the trailer and you don't know that this movie isn't set in a cabin in the woods for the majority of its runtime, um, because... It's a really good cold open. So the movie opens with the fucking classic Evil Dead panning shot. The classic Evil Dead sort of sound design. Um, as it kind of pans through this like uh, foresty area. 
uh, wooded area and then you obviously find the two people sitting at the dock um there's a really cool uh, use of a drone in this um i the the scene in the cabin um between the two friends um had me smiling uh from ear to ear for several different reasons uh one the use of emily bronte's wuthering heights um for those of you that don't know, I am a huge fan of the Bronte sisters and that story particularly. So to kind of see that story used in like a context of an Evil Dead movie and how they do it with obviously the one friend uh, reading the book and then the possessed girl um, kind of reciting the words back to her um, as she's reading the book before obviously she attacks is fucking great. Uh, the scalping scene is brilliant. Uh, the fucking licking or the face rubbing of the drone is really fucking cool. Um, and then obviously the fact that she cuts a dude's head off and like, you know, or bites his head off while she, while he's underwater. Uh, and then obviously she comes out the ground, throws the head on the side, and then obviously the title card starts. And then we're off to the fucking races. Um, really, really fucking great opening. Um and while we're talking about the opening, we may as well talk about the ending. Because obviously we find out that everything that happens with Beth and Ellie in the apartment happens one day earlier to, earlier to the opening of the film. And then obviously at the end of the film, we see the girl who is possessed at the beginning of the film get possessed by the evil as she's leaving the apartment where all this shit has just gone down. And this is one of my kind of things, like when I was at the q and I... I unfortunately didn't get to ask lee cronin the question but i don't think anyone's asked him yet or if he has it's in an interview that hasn't come out yet cause spoilers so by the time this this comes out there may be interviews online where he's been asked this question um but i kind of wondered where he starts the film and then ends it with that deadite girl obviously killing the two friends and rising from the water whether he has an idea of where that portion of the story goes like if he was to get a sequel to this and asked to come back and make another one of these you know does he have an idea of where that deadite goes like does she stay in the forest does she stay in the woods like would the sequel explore that story of like now the evil is in her like where does she go do we take it back to the woods do we take it back to the cabin like you know could that essentially be a sneaky prequel to the 2013 movie i'm sure it isn't but it did process in my mind of like is that a sneaky prequel to like the 2013 movie like is is that kind of like you know how how the evil got in the house in the 2013 one like is she like a premature form of the abomination that we saw in the first movie is she one of its minions like does she go somewhere else? Um, you know, you could you could tie it to the 2013 one if you wanted to. I don't think that they're interested in doing that. So please, if you listen to this, like, I'm not suggesting that that's going to be a thing. It's just a little bit of headcanon that came into my head when I was watching the movie. Um, but that is a question that I did wonder of when he tag tagged the movie with the opening and ending of of that story, whether it was just meant to be like a little coda for this film as kind of a wink and a nod of like see we do have a cabin in this movie or if it was a case of he set that up and he knows where that story goes for a potential sequel that kind of maybe takes it back to 
a wooded area like what happens to that deadite because we now know that that deadite evil has now gone from like ellie and you know the kids into this other person um is there a story there and is it a story that lee cronin wants to explore or will it be that we potentially get another evil dead story with another director that's its own self-contained thing that focuses on one of the other two books um yes as i mentioned in my spoiler free review uh, this movie is connected to the other two uh, universes. Now, again, I will say it because I always say it. Your perception of what movie, what universe this movie is set in is based on what your perception of the other two sets of films is. Now, you've got the Raimi universe, which is parts one, two, three, and the Evil Dead TV series. Then you've got the Fede Alvarez movie, and then you've got this movie. Now... As we know from Army of Darkness, there are three uh, books of the dead in, this, in, in that movie. Obviously, Lee Cronin has come out and said in interviews that he has one of those books in this movie. Fede Alvarez had another one in his movie. And Sam Raimi had one in his three movies. So all three Necronomicons across the three timelines are completely different. But as we find out in this movie, I'm pretty sure I mentioned that it answers this question in my spoiler-free review. Now I've had time to think about it, I am wondering if I'm remembering the part of the film correctly. But I'm pretty sure when they find the Necronomicon in this one, or the Book of the Dead, and the vinyl records, there is a picture of three priests in black and white. And somebody, because I've only seen the movie once, I'll be going to see it again once this review drops. So if somebody has seen it recently, please confirm if that is correct. I think in the black and white photo of the three priests that you see, each one of them is holding a different Book of the Dead, um, which suggests that they have the three. Um, so depending on what your understand or like what your interpretation of the 2013 one is, is whether you see it like Fede Alvarez has said um, as a continuation of Sam Raimi's universe. That's why the Oldsmobile is there and it's all set in the same universe. Then these three movies would all be set in the same universe so everyone's saying which universe is Evil Dead Rise set in? Well, technically, all three films are set in the same universe and each one of those books of the dead that appears in Army of Darkness uh, is canonically featured in each one of these movies. Again, you know, it all depends on what happens now with the next movie. Like, if they make another movie, do they continue the story of this Necronomicon? Do we pick up with whatever happened to Fede Alvarez's one? Do we pick up with the one that is featured in the Sam Raimi slash Ash universe? Like, who knows? Um, it would be very interesting to see um, where the baton goes next and who who picks it up. But yeah, to 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 to, to reiterate, from my understanding is from seeing this movie and from what Lee Cronin has said that all of the movies are set in the same universe and they each utilize one of the books of the dead from the Army of Darkness. Which is why I think the deadites in every movie and like the final bosses in every movie are kind of all different. Because I think each different Book of the Dead has its own like distinct, unique personality. It has its own distinct uh, thing that it alludes to. Like in obviously the Sam Raimi ones, you get things like Henrietta and you get like the bigger 
like more demonic creatures that are seen in like Ash versus Evil Dead that are seen in like uh, Army of Darkness, the more kind of like uh, fantastical creatures. Uh, whereas in Feddy's one, it was all leading to the abomination. And then in this one, if I read the credits correctly, the final boss in this one is called the Marauder. Uh, the only reason why I say that is because as I was watching the credits, there was a list for the Marauder performers. So I assume the 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 final form that is defeated in the end of this movie is known as the Marauder. Um, one funny thing, um, and I'm probably not the first person to say this, but one funny thing that I find about the Evil Dead movies, and you guys will probably know this if you've watched them quite a lot, is how whenever anyone reads the Book of the Dead, it basically spells out the plot of the movie for everyone. Like if you if you I rewatched the 2013 one recently, and then obviously I like before I saw Rise. And I was watching Rise and I was like watching the scene where they're reading the Book of the Dead and I was like, holy shit, like when you watch the movie to the end, you go, oh fuck, this bit, this bit, this bit and this bit were all spelled out in the pages of the book. And then I, when I was rewatching Fede's one, I was like, oh yeah, Fede's one does exactly the same thing. I was like, this is really fucking funny. Um, it was just a little thing that I like, <laughs> it was like, they really spell this fucking shit out for you right at the top of all of these movies. Um, and there is a lot of... Che like, there's not as many Chekhov's gun moments in this one as there is in Fede Alvarez's one. Like, when you watch that 2013 movie, you're like, holy shit, man. You are like, here is a nail gun that will be used later. Here is the bread slicer. Here is the fucking needles. Here... <laughs> like, he literally just goes, here is everything that will be used later in this movie. Um... Whereas I think this movie is a lot more subtle about like the weaponry uh, that will be used. So, um, story-wise, I fucking love the story in this movie. I love the um, the fact that it takes place in a high-rise. I love the fact that it um, focuses on family over friends. Um, I really enjoy the characters. In fact, some of my moment, uh, my favourite moments in this movie are some of the smaller like character moments. Um, because, yeah, this movie is a bloodbath and it's relentless and it's gory and it's a horror movie. And shit hits the fan pretty quickly. But what I love about this movie and what I love about Lee Cronin as a writer is that he manages to write these like moments pre-mayhem and then in between the mayhem to give these characters like... Uh, structure and purpose and like to give them enough personality and enough uh, goodwill with the audience to the point where you don't want the bad thing to happen to them when the bad thing happens and there are some of these really interesting moments throughout the movie I think especially as well like the moments that I liked in this movie uh, the most were the ones that kind of uh, reinforced Beth's character because yeah like everybody comes out of this movie going oh fuck yeah Beth's a hero Beth's like you know she becomes the quote unquote Ash character in this movie and she becomes a fucking badass but yeah but there's also these really great moments in the movie where she comes to terms with like the idea of motherhood and what it means to be a mother and like you know you find out at the beginning of the movie that she has a positive pregnancy test and that's the inciting incident that leads to her um, reconnecting with Ellie and the kids and there's like these really funny moments in the movie where I was just like you know I love the fact that you've kind of given her this arc so when it is time for her to step up as the protector it's kind of like you know she her, her maternal instinct that she kind of thought was maybe laid dormant kicks in there's a really great moment um, 
with her and Cassie where she's like running Cassie a bath and Cassie's got a full swimsuit on and she's like, what, what are you doing? And she's like, yeah, I need to see what's in the water before I get in it because I got stung by a jellyfish. And she like pretend like Beth puts her hand in the water and pretends to be like attacked by something. And that moment's really like cool. It's like a really cute moment between like an auntie and um, her niece. But it also kind of shows you that kind of side of Beth of like, yes, she is a, guitar technician for like touring musicians and you know she has this rock and roll lifestyle but also there is this side of her that's like you know fully prepared to kind of maybe step into motherhood and it's these little moments where you're just like you know there's there's the moment where she's at the table and she's talking to the kids and she's got the presents for everyone and she like gives uh Cassie the little bracelet and you know she's talk she's trying to like connect with the older children and there's like these other like the like, other really like interesting character moments with her and Ellie like when she says to Ellie like about her husband leaving like the kid's father and she's like I didn't know she's like I called you three times and like you you never replied and then you see her in the bathroom like listening to the voicemails and like their relationship is really interesting as well, especially like when it comes time for the shit to go down. So there's all these moments in the movie that like I really enjoyed. Like I really enjoyed the idea of like learning about these characters, like learning about Cassie and like the fact that she's like terrified to live in this building because her brothers told her that the building is haunted by the ghost of a banker that's going to like steal your money and she's so she fucking decapitates a doll and sticks its head on a stick and calls it Starfany, which comes into play in the movie in a fucking genius way later. And then like the fact that Danny is a fucking DJ and, you know, he's the one that unleashes evil in the building because he's the one that finds the record. And then you find out obviously lot that like Bridget is like a protester and she's like, you know, has has friends who live across the hall and she has a a guy who she may or may not be interested in and you kind of find out all these moments of like who these characters are and the fact that like Ellie is a single mum who is a tattoo artist who's about to be evicted from her home and her life has fallen apart and she doesn't really know what to do and she's just trying the best for her kids and you know there is a temptation sometimes I think with horror movies uh to underwrite characters because you're just because a lot of times you know writers will just go oh well they're just victims it doesn't matter like you don't really care about these characters anyway and like it's a real testament i think to lee cronin that he wants you as an audience to connect with these characters and feel for these characters so that you know when it's time for the mayhem to be unleashed like you are sat on the edge of your seat you are concerned you are invested like you want these characters to live you are horrified when the horrible things that are going to happen to them happen. And, you know, I think sometimes people think that, you know, with horror movies, you don't have to try. Like, it's just throw gore in, it'll be fine. And it's like, when you get a, re- a well-written, well-rounded, like, horror film, it's, you know, that is gory and scary and fun, but also has really well-written characters. I think it's really appreciated. And especially in a film like this, where you've also got kids that are like in the middle of the shit, it's like fuck's sake, man. Um, yeah, there's like so many great scenes in this movie. Like, 
uh, when the earthquake hits, when the kids are coming, so the kids have gone to go and get pizza and they're coming back and the earthquake hits and they're in the car park and Danny decides to go down the sinkhole uh, to find like what's underneath there. There's the fucking awesome shot that's in the trailer where like the big fucking statue of Jesus falls down as for a jump scare. There's all the crosses everywhere. And then he finds obviously the vinyl record and he finds all the shit like the book of the dead and stuff. That whole sequence is really fucking cool. Um, there's a really cool fucking, like I would love to know. And I, I said this after I watched the movie and I spoke to Lee Cronin twice on the night I saw the movie and I didn't think to ask him, but I would love to know if he's seen hereditary because there are two scenes in this movie that reminded me of hereditary. There's a scene that I think is in one of the trailers where Beth is listening to the vinyl record, the Konda record, on headphones. And, like, you see Ellie crawl out of a little fucking hole in the ceiling behind her and, like, kind of, like, scuttle across the wall, which kind of reminded... If you've seen Hereditary, it reminded me of the scene with Annie towards the end where she's in the fucking corner of the room. She's being all fucking scatty. Uh, and there's a scene where Bridget gets set on fire... And that reminded me of the scene from Hereditary where um, the dad, I can't remember his fucking name, gets set on fire. Um, so, yeah, I'd be I'd be fascinated to know if uh, he has seen Hereditary or not. Um, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, the, the story is, is the age-old story. It's, uh, hey, man, some dumb fucks read the Book of the Dead. And back in this one, I love the fact that they back mask a record. Um, and that's, it's very trick or treat, how they, trick or treat even, sorry, how they fucking back mask the record and it plays the condar, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm not going to fucking say it, obviously, I'm not stupid, I don't want to unleash delights in my house. Um, so yeah, I think, I think like having the character be a DJ and finding it on vinyl records is very, is it like an interesting way of like bringing it into a more modern time. Uh, I love the design of the Book of the Dead. Um, I love the fact that this motherfucker has teeth. Um, it's a very... <coughs> excuse me. It's a very interesting design for this particular book. Um, and it's got teeth on the... Like, as it as you close it. Um, so it's really it's a really cool, uh, really well-designed Book of the Dead. Sorry. Um, so, yeah. Um, in terms of like when the stuff goes down, um, I think the minute the possession happens, uh, this movie kicks into fucking high gear. Uh, one thing I will say is I thought that Lee Cronin's, uh, choice to pay homage to the iconic tree scene or the infamous tree scene, shall I say, um, by having it happen in a lift was fucking genius. Um, if you have to include a homage to that scene um, and you're using it in the context of, of like the location of this film, the scene where Ellie is in the lift and the evil gets into her by having all the lift cables kind of snap and tie her up um, and thankfully not sexually assault her um, was really interesting and it was really well done and I, lo I, I really enjoyed that sequence. Um, and then obviously that leads to the iconic sequence from the trailer where she's like throwing the eggs in the pan and she's talking about how she wants to split them all open and climb inside of them and shit like that. Um, I will say the deadites in this movie feel more like traditional evil dead deadites than they did 
in the 2013 one purely because you get to see more of the deadites whereas in the 2013 one the transformation happened very quickly and they didn't really outside of Mia they didn't seem to have any personality they were very uh mute um and they didn't really interact with the cast other than like causing mayhem whereas in this the deadites have their traditional personality back there is a fucking amazing sequence in this um where they do like the dead by dawn stuff and um ellie goes everyone everyone will everyone ever everyone dies by dawn beth and then all of the deadites start going dead by dawn dead by dawn and it's that had me like fucking smiling um which leads into one of the best sequences in the film um i will say Alyssa sutherland scared the fucking shit out of me um her performance as the dead eye ellie is fucking phenomenal um like you've seen you've seen a glimpse of it in the trailer um when she does that mommy's with the maggots now when she screams when she's in the bathroom that shit's really fucking cool um there's a couple of sequences in this where you're just like so one of the scenes that disappointed me i wouldn't say disappointed me but it didn't go how i thought it was going to go was the tattoo needle scene so in the trailer you think the tattoo needle is going in the eye but it doesn't it ends up going up bridget's cheek and then that's kind of like how the evil gets inside of her um like you know ellie tattoos her face and then goes oh let me kiss it better and then obviously that's how she gets infected um i was kind of a bit like i was expecting it to go in the eye and it's one of the two scenes in the trailer that i didn't think went far enough um, same with the cheese grater scene. With the cheese grater scene, obviously it go it does go down Beth's leg, but you just see it go down very quickly, and then the next scene her leg is taped up. Um, I was kind of envisioning it because they've been talking about this cheese grater scene for fucking ever before the movie came out. I was kind of envisioning it more like the scene in Cabin Fever where the layers of the leg were gonna peel off, but maybe that's just me being fucking sick and weird. Um, so I thought those two scenes didn't go as far as I thought they were going to go in the in the trailer. But I thought, you know, for what they were, they were effectively used. I just think that they've been overplayed in the trailers. So, again, some of the effectiveness of them has been, like, taken down. There are some fucking other cool sequences in this, though. Uh, there's a scene where Beth gets stabbed in the hand with a piece of glass. Uh, Ellie gets stabbed in the face with a pair of scissors. Um fucking uh bridget i think it's bridget it's either bridget or danny one of the two teenagers i can't i cannot remember which one of them is now i think it's bridget um yeah it must be bridget she gets fucking stabbed in the head with starfany which is fucking hilarious yeah because they stab her in the head and then that's when danny ties her up in the bin bag and puts her on the bed and is like oh i tied her up just to be on the safe side but yeah when fucking cassie stabs her in the head with starfany i fucking cheered um cool little tidbit about starfany um that was inspired by lee cronin's niece and lee cronin's niece actually has a starfany in real life which i think he said in an interview she is bringing to the irish premiere um, so yeah, that was actually inspired by something in Lee Cronin's real life. Um, one of the sequences I loved the most, I think it's outside of the 
lift scene, it might be my favourite sequence in the movie, is the uh, fisheye lens uh, scene. So, you know the bit in the trailer where she's like, open up now. Um, and she's like, mommy, you don't look so good. There's a whole scene that lead that, that like that whole scene is a lot longer. And it's like, there's a whole scene that's like uh, shot through the fisheye like lens through the porthole of the door. And it's a lot more of Ellie toying with Cassie. And she's like telling her that like the dad's back and that they both want to be with her and that they love her. And then she gets shot with a shotgun like off screen. She just gets blown off screen. And there's like some dude gets fucking attacked by a dead eye. And it all happens like in the context of this lens. And then obviously it leads to the conversation of her saying like, open up now. Nothing that a big hug and kiss can't fix from you. And then obviously Cassie opens the door and that's how Ellie gets back in the apartment. Um, but yeah, man, like Ellie's Ellie is so fucking good as a dead eye. Like there's so many the, there's one scene actually with Ellie and Beth and it's the one scene that I referenced in the spoiler free review that made me fucking tense my hand up and it made me wince. Um, and I think a lot of this movie, I think, will be hard for female audiences to watch anyway because of the amount of violence towards women that happens. But this is the one scene uh, when I came home and told Lee about it um, that I was like, I was really glad it didn't go as far as it could have. So there's a sequence in the movie where Beth and Ellie are wrestling and Ellie pins Beth to the ground and she starts to smell her and she says, like, I will swallow your soul. And then she stops and, like, realises that Beth's carrying a child. And she's like, two souls? And she starts to dig her fingers into Beth's stomach. And I'm sitting there going, oh, man, I swear to God, if this woman puts her fucking hand through her stomach and rips that fucking baby out. I was like, I will straight up walk out of this movie. <laughs> um, and I was, I was so, like, on the edge of my seat going, like, how far is this going to go? And luckily it just stops at like the fingers going into the stomach. Um, and then we kind of like, you know, go from there. Um, but I was genuinely afraid. I was like genuinely like, where the fuck is this going to go? Like, are we going to get like a fucking fetus dis disembowelment? And I was like ready for it. But I was like, I don't want to see that shit. And luckily Lee Cronin was like, yeah, I don't think anybody wants to see that. So, um, you know, we we don't get that. But yeah, I mean, there's, I think the trailers, like the last couple of trailers that were leading up to this movie, I think they released way too many clips on way too many trailers because they really, like, they they released like the river, the, the elevator of blood scene, which is fucking great when uh, Cassie and Beth are in the elevator and it starts filling up with blood. And then obviously all the deadite hands start coming through the ceiling of the the lift and then obviously it opens all the blood comes pouring out and that's when they escape to the like parking lot and that's when so in my spoiler free review i referenced something that i was like in my head i was like i know that it was done practically but i have no fucking idea how it was done practically and it's the marauder so you see before the elevator of blood scene there's a bit where like ellie's lying on the ground and like the deadites start ripping her open and basically her danny and bridget form like a three person like 
uh, fucking, I don't know. Like it's, I think this is what is called the Marauder, but they form like a three-person like fucking demon thing, and it's got three heads, like you know, fucking six legs, six arms, and it's like scuttling around, and that's what follows uh, Beth and Cassie into the parking lot. And in my head, I'm going, I know that was done practically, but I have no fucking idea how that was done practically. And that's kind of like what the big boss is that, that Beth has to fight at the end. Um, I will say, as much of an MVP as Ellie is in this movie and her deadite torment, like there's a bit when she's screaming at Beth, she's like, open the fucking door like you opened your legs, you groupie slut. And she's like, Beth calls her a fucking psycho bitch. Like, Ellie goes full on with the fucking psychological deadite torture in this movie. Um, Danny and Bridget, not so much. Um, Danny doesn't really get a lot to do as a deadite. Obviously, Bridget gets the scene in the trailer where she's eating the glass and you see the glass come out of her throat. And she says to her, um, she's like, I don't like things in my tummy, Auntie Beth. Do you? And then she like gets set on fire she fucking she does the scene with the cheese grater where she gets cheese grater cheese grater goes down fucking beth's leg um but yeah danny doesn't get a huge amount to do as a deadite um but i thought i thought like the fact that it was a family of deadites was really interesting um and i thought like having like this is what i mean about chekhov's gun because when ellie first becomes possessed she says like i wish that i could climb inside your bodies and we could all be one happy family and that's literally what happens like they all kind of like like fucking society or the thing they all become like a blob um that attacks beth and cassie towards the end um which i thought was really cool i like the chase scene in the car park like i like the fact that the deadites get um cassie they kidnap her they take her into like a fucking tree surgeon van and then beth has to like break her way back in um and she gets the chainsaw from the van uh interesting tidbit about the chainsaw again this might be released in an interview before this review comes out but uh lee cronin mentioned in our q a when we saw him that the reason why the chainsaw is yellow in this one so ash throughout the ash movies ash has a red chainsaw mia has a red chainsaw the reason why the chainsaw in this one is yellow is because Lee Cronin decided not to include the Oldsmobile. Um, he was like, I decided very early on that I wasn't going to include the Oldsmobile because the Oldsmobile is something that's very <clears throat> like personal to Sam. So the reason why the chainsaw in this movie is yellow is because he got a chainsaw that was the same colour as the Oldsmobile. Uh, which is his paying homage to like Sam Raimi's car, which is in like all of his movies and all the previous other Evil Dead movies. So that's the reason why Beth has a yellow chainsaw in this movie is to pay homage to that. <coughs> um, so yeah, I thought that was really fucking cool, and it was a really cool like little Easter egg and a little tidbit. And it's a really deep cut Easter egg that like not a lot of people will think about. Like I didn't even really think about it. I was like, oh, just cool. It's a cool yellow chainsaw. Like it's just a chainsaw color. And then he said it, and, like, my mind fucking blew. It's one of the cooler, like, um, Easter eggs in the movie. There is a really fun one at the beginning with a pizza box that's got Henrietta's pizza on it. Uh, Bruce Campbell's cameo as well. Um, if you guys listened carefully, 
um, when they play the tape, the Kundar tape, there is a little clip of a guy saying, um, there's a reason why they call it the Book of the Dead, and that's Bruce Campbell, which is quite fun. It's a nice little uh, nod to the um, to the OG. There's a few other little tidbits and stuff in there, but I didn't notice them all on first uh, listen or first watch, so I will be keeping my uh, ears and eyes out the second time I see it for more Easter eggs. Um, I'd be fascinated to know what Easter eggs you guys picked up on and like what little tidbits and hidden bits that you guys picked up on. So if there's anything that you guys found, like message me on like Instagram or Twitter. Like um, my personal handle is in the bio for all the the, the uh, podcast pages. So yeah, just drop us a DM if you if there's any that you noticed that I didn't mention in here and like let's chat about it. But let's not do it like on the TL because of spoilers. So, yeah, I think overall, like, this movie has a fucking great pace. Like, I love the end of this movie where um, Beth fucking, like, she just fucking takes the chainsaw, man. And she, like, fucking, she's about to get put in a wood chipper, which is fucking shit. And then, like, Cassie saves her. And she, like, takes the fucking, she turns the wood chipper on. All the kids from the, the Marauder get fucking disintegrated into the wood chipper. And then Ellie's head is kind of like left, her head and her torso is left taunting Beth. And then Beth puts a fucking chainsaw through her head and like fucking cuts her head off and then just kicks it into a wood chipper. Fucking glorious. And then obviously we get the ending where you see the evil, you get the evil dead POV shot going into the girl as she's leaving to go to the cabin that starts the movie. Um, I, in my spoiler review, I said that I walked away from this movie, like, loving this movie, uh, and there wasn't anything that I disliked. I stand by that. Um, I think, obviously, for me personally, I think, yes, the movie is gory, and yes, there are scenes in it that are, like, pretty graphic. Um, I didn't think the movie went as far as the 2013 one. And to be honest, I don't think it needed to. I think the 2013 one is its own thing. I think this is its own thing. I think it went as far as it needed to. Um, Lee Cronin did confirm at the Q&A that the cat is still alive. If any of you are wondering what happened to the cat, um, hit the, the direct quote from Lee Cronin is, I feel very comfortable killing kids, but when it comes to cats, no. So the cat is safe um, for any of you that were, that were wondering, because you never see it again, but the cat is safe. The cat lived to see another day. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love... I, there's a lot of things that I love about this movie and it might be recency bias and I I do want to see it again to kind of know genuinely how I feel about it um, because I might pick up things in the second watch that I dislike or that I didn't like as much the first time. But like, for me, I love the setting. I think the setting's fucking genius and I love the sense of like, you know, how the building becomes infected by the virus as well and how like the 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 building is its own character as much as the actual flesh and blood characters are um, i love the design of the new book of the dead i really love the characters in this movie like i don't think there's been an evil dead movie where i haven't liked at least one or two of the characters admittedly i don't like many of the characters in the Fede alvarez one fuck you forever eric you prick um but i love mia I like David. Um, I love obviously. I love Ash. I think Ash is a great character. Um, I love the characters in Ash vs Evil Dead. I love Kelly and Pablo, um, and I think this has probably got 
the most likable cast of characters in it. Like, I think Lily Sullivan absolutely smashes it as, like, you know, she goes from being this, like, slightly confused um, woman that's at a crossroads in her life where she's, like, got a career, she's happy, she thinks that she's, like, you know, on top of things, and then she finds out that she's going to have a baby... And then obviously she gets thrust into this fucking nightmarish situation where she has to become a mother by default. Um, and like a lot of the scenes that she has with Cassie are really good. Like Nell Fisher fucking is an incredible young actress, like a young child actress. Um, and some of the shit that she gets put through in this movie is like really fucking gnarly. Um, but yeah, I think Beth's arc is really good. And like, I love the way that her character like ends up at the end. Um, and it's really fun to kind of watch her character develop. Um, Alyssa Sutherland, holy shit. That woman is terrifying. Um, and not in a please crush my crush me with your thighs mummy kind of way. She is in a legit I would piss my pants and run the fuck away from her. <laughs> like, there's some fucking stuff that she does with her body in this movie. Like, some of her movements, like when she's coming out of the bathroom and you can see her spine and she's like cracking... There's one particular scene in this, and you guys will know the scene, where she comes out of the bathroom and she's, like, on the side of you, but her eye is, like, looking at you. She's, like, kind of like a, like a gecko, kind of, like, side-eyeing. And, like, that look has been ingrained in my brain for the last ten days um, since I saw this movie. Because fuck me. Like, that... That fucking look sent a shiver down my spine. Um, she is probably one of the scariest deadites that I've seen in any of these movies. Um, and it's just a fucking killer performance. And, like, especially, like, for the physical aspects of it as well. And, like, you know, the whole kind of, like, you know, she does the classic, like, psychological evil dead, like, fucking with people sort of shit. <coughs> and she goes from, like, you know, this really nurturing, loving mother. There's, like, the scene where she's like, don't let it take my babies, to, like, I will swallow your soul. And she does it so, like, effortlessly. Um, I think all of the kids are great in this, like Morgan Davis, Gabriel Eccles, and Nell Fisher all absolutely fucking smash their roles. Um, some of the side characters are, like, they're, they're kind of just there to be, like, chow. Um, some of them get turned into deadites. Um pretty much most of them get turned into the lights but again they're like deadites that don't get a huge amount to do and um, the main focus is on like the family this is a family story first and foremost um i love the sound design of this movie i think it sounds fucking great um there's a lot of that like creepy like evil dead wind noise you know like when it's like going through the woods and stuff you get a lot of that like evil dead kind of like wind noise there's like one scene with a fly where the fly is on like ellie's eye and like i could hear it behind me like the sound design was so perfect the score is fucking great i've been listening to i fell asleep listening to the score the other day um which kind of i think tells you everything you need to know about me but yeah i think the direction is really great i love the fact that everything is practical and it's in camera and like there's no shortcuts like you can tell that this movie was made by someone who loves the franchise, wants to pay homage to the franchise, respects the franchise, and 
I think as much as Fede Alvarez probably does love The Evil Dead, I think he tried to do a movie that was his own thing with his own sensibilities and then that had The Evil Dead name on it. Um, and it was more about like him pushing the boundaries as a filmmaker and seeing how far he could take it. Whereas Lee Cronin's movie, as I said in the spoiler-free review, and I think I said it on my like Instagram post, um, this feels like a love child between the original Evil Dead and the 2013 one. Like, <coughs> yes, it is brutal and it is nasty, but it has that like sense of like black comedy running through it and that sense of humour as well. Um, and you know, I I think it's a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously. And I think Lee Cronin said this a lot is the movie is designed to be a thrill ride and it is exactly that like it gives you the shocks the gore the humor the heart it gives you everything that you want for like 97 minutes um it's effortlessly paced um there are some movies in the franchise that feel way longer than they are this movie feels perfectly paced it never outstays its welcome there's not an inch of fat on it um it it just goes and goes and goes and i think gore wise yes it's got some good gore in it it's got some good kills there are there are some things that obviously haven't been spoiled by the numerous trailers and clips and teasers and things online there are some things that people will kind of like they can only get if they see the movie which is how it should be i personally think that this the trailers that they've released in the last week or so have showed too much so i would I I mean, it doesn't matter if you listen to this it's a spoiler review anyway, but when you see the film and then go back and watch some of the trailers, like we saw a trailer last week before Renfield. So that was two days after I saw the movie and I looked at Lee and I went, that fucking trailer gives away way too much. Um, So I think given the amount of times that they preview screened it and the great word of mouth, I don't think that they needed to rely on putting so much in the trailers to sell people on this movie. Um, I will be fascinated to see where the franchise goes from here. But as a hardcore Evil Dead fan, there is only... I only have one movie poster hanging up. I have two, No, that's a lie. I have two movie posters hanging up in my office. Uh, one is a Ghostbusters print that my sister got me for Christmas two years ago. And the other one is a giant framed original one sheet from the original Evil Dead. The blue one with the girl being choked that's got the Stephen King quote on it that I got for my 21st birthday. And they are the only two posters that I have hanging up in my office. And, you know, I fucking love The Evil Dead. Like, it's my favourite horror movie of all time. Um, so, to see a franchise 42 years later still having the same, like, level of creativity and the level of, like, uh, quality that it has... Um, is astounding to me. Yes, I don't like The Evil Dead 2 as much as some people, and after re-watching Army of Darkness a couple of weeks ago, it has fallen into my least favourite in the franchise. But I do agree with the general consensus that this, this franchise has no bad films. There are just films that I like more, and that there are films that I like less. Um, as I said in my spoiler review, even though I recorded that a week ago, gun to my head, uh, I, my current rankings are... Number one, The Original Evil Dead. Number two, 2013 Evil Dead. Number three, Evil Dead Rise. Number four, Evil Dead 2. Number five, 
um, Army of Darkness. Now, I'm not sure if that will change because obviously I've had 10 years of living with Evil Dead 2013 and I watch that movie four or five times a year. Once I see Rise more and live with it for longer, that might change. It might jump up to my second, but we will see on repeated viewings. I think it's a little bit too early to tell, but it is a movie that I found myself loving and that I enjoyed immensely. Uh, it's a film that has weirdly gifted me a fucking signed cheese grater in my house, so I'm eternally grateful for that. <coughs> I think if you like The Evil Dead, you will absolutely love this movie. Um, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't love this movie. Um, it's my It was my most anticipated movie of the year, and currently it's my favourite film of the year. Um, I'm going to see it again next week on my day off. I'm going to double bill it with John Wick Chapter 4, so that'll be fun. Um, I'm going to go and see Evil Dead Rise because uh, I'm busy this weekend, so I can't go and see it this weekend again. I'm going to go and see it next week. Uh, I'm going to go and watch that, and then I'm going to go watch John Wick Chapter 4 straight after. So hopefully that'll be an interesting double bill. Um, but yeah, I, I'm fascinated. Now that this movie is out in the world, now that more people have seen it, now that more of our podcasting friends are seeing it, um, I really want to know what people think of this movie. So... You know, as as always, join me on social media, uh, S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter. So I'm married a horror fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr and Instagram. Obviously, find uh, the platform that you listen to us on, get those notifications on, because as you know, social media is a fucking dumpster fire at the moment. So keep up to date with everything that we've got going on by getting your notifications on, getting your notifications on on the desired platform that you listen to us on. Um, I know for a fact that today probably a little bit later this evening if you listen to this day it goes out our boys at cast me to hell are releasing a spoiler free review monday the 24th they are releasing their full spoiler review <coughs> so look out for that as well um i'll be retweeting shit all over the weekend but yes let me know your thoughts let's talk about the evil dead where we once you've seen it now you've seen it where would you rank it what are your favorite moments like what are you looking for in the franchise going forward um you know, did you love it? Did you hate it? Um, let's just talk all things fucking Evil Dead. It's finally here, guys. Evil Dead Rise. I love this fucking movie. I hope you guys love this fucking movie. Um, yeah, let's fucking chat about it. And uh, I have been Simon. Stay spooky. Stay safe. Take care, guys.